Okay, so um, basically we just have three sermons before we really get into the preaching this fall. So what are we doing? Well, we're, last week uh, we tackled kind of wrapping up prayer and the Psalms and why pray. Today I needed a warm-up. We're doing a Theology After Dark in October on men and women uh, in the church. It's just a, a wonderful light uh, non-controversial topic in today's culture. I almost like bagged it this week. I almost said, now, now who needs this? I'll do something else. Uh, but so we're going to do that today. The next week we're going to do something called astonished teaching. See, there's underwhelming teaching and then there's astonishing teaching. The kind of teaching that Jesus teaches is astonishing. The kind of teaching that we're used to is the underwhelming. And so we're going to kind of recapture what is astonishing teaching and build a church and build a ministry around that. That's what we'll look at next week. So today, it's men and women. All right, George Carlin, anybody know who he is? Okay, great. Good. So he, uh, critics called him the most important and influential stand-up comedian of all time, the dean of countercultural comedians. Uh, he was famous for his lack of profanity in his routines. Uh, his seven dirty words routine was part of a censorship case that went straight to the United States Supreme Court in 1978, okay? So he famously said, women are crazy, men are stupid. The main reason women are crazy is men are stupid. Do I hear an amen out there? Do Oh, oh, yeah, I hear it. Okay, good. Now, for thousands of years, good people, good people, really good people, pious people, spiritual people, Bible experts, theologians, and your common, ordinary, normal Christian have been trying to figure out for thousands of years in reading the Bible, why did God make man as opposed to woman first in the beginning of all things? Why did God make man, gender man, before he made gender woman in the beginning of all things. Well, one theologian who wishes to remain anonymous says they, because we don't know if it's a he or a she, knows why. Quote, God made man before woman, so, here's the reason, the man would have time to think of an answer for the woman's first question. <laughs> Do I hear an amen? <laughs> yes, amen. Men and women. All right, so my summer routine, uh, I slow things down intentionally in my reading. You know, we got to get a July break, which is great, and then that, that helps me, like, slow down my reading. What I mean by slowing down my reading is I, I love to read the Bible in the original languages, and so what that causes me to do is slow down. I have a slow, gentle read of the text. It's like I'm able to luxuriate in the text because I pay attention to more things. Uh, it's like the text becomes oxygen and I'm sucking all the air out of that text I can. It's a wonderful, wonderful time for me. I mean, I absolutely love it. One of the things about this neck injury is that I can't look down. And so being able to hold the Greek text with my 0.5 millimeter mechanical pencil in my ruler is just not a thing right now. I'm getting close. So everything's up, but I still can do it on my computer program. 
So I spent some time in Romans 8.35 thinking about the question of 8.35. Here's the question. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now, usually when I would read that, I would go straight to the answer. No one will separate you from the love of Christ, Paul says, right? No one, all these things, you are more than a conqueror. But this time I slowed it down a bit. Slow, gentle reading. I paid attention to the question. Then I noticed that there was a verse before the answer. First time I ever saw that. There's 37, 38, 35, then 36, and then 37 is the answer. 36, though, is in between. And that's when I saw it. I saw in verse 36 the mental health of the text. The mental health of the person who's struggling to believe that God loves them. It goes like this. We are being killed. It's an interesting thing. How do, you, how do you be killed all the day long? We are being killed all the day long. I thought you were only killed once. We are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. And again, remember I'm, telling, I'm doing this slow original reading in the original language. Slaughtered is an adjective. It's not a verb. So it's like this. So we're being regarded as slaughtered sheep. Do you see it? Here's the point. When you struggle to believe that God loves you, you feel like prey. I am prey. And then verse 37 bursts like light into your darkness. No, you're not prey. You're a lion. We are more than conquerors. You're the king of the jungle. Through him who loves us, Paul says. Men and women, some live like prey. Some live like lions. If we stand for the hearing of God's word. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over all creepy thing that creeps on the earth. That's very important for you people that are afraid of spiders. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. 2.18. Then God said, It is not good that the man, gender man, should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him, gender woman. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Oh, Lord, this is a fantastic passage, but it's taking place in a place we've never seen before, we've never been before. We can only look back at it with awe and wonder. So I pray that you would give us that awe and wonder of what it was like in the very beginning. And then, Lord, shine on the page with the true image bearer. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
All right, so everyone knows men and women are equal, right? I mean, seriously, everyone knows that. I don't know why we keep beating it, but everyone knows that except for stupid people, right? But how are men and women equal? How are we equal? What is the material of our equalness? How are we the same? One day, Paul Tripp's four-year-old son, Paul Tripp is a famous biblical counselor, speaker, author. He is the, like, guru of Christian parenting. He's also a pastor of pastors. Like, he goes in and to shattered, blown-up situations in churches with pastors, either their personal lives or their relationships with the leaders of the church. And he goes in and tries to put things together with Famous, well-known celebrity pastors. That's one of his roles. He said his four-year-old came to talk to him. It was a very intentional talk. He actually, you know, like patted the couch like, Daddy, sit down. And Dad sits down. It's going to be a moment, right? His son, his four-year-old son, has something very important to say. And he says, when I grow up, Daddy, I want to be a lion. Now, this trip, the Bible expert, the Bible counselor, the Bible theologian, and the pastor of pastors... Um, thinks to himself, well, of course he does. Everyone's talking about lions today and being king of the jungle. Of course, everybody wants to be king of the jungle today. So he launches into this accurate, doctrinal, theological, biblical monologue and lecture on the differences between the creator and the created, on the image of God and creatures, and on biblical anthropology. And when he's done, he says, so, son, do you understand now? And his four-year-old looks up at him and nods and says, yes, daddy, I do. When I grow up, I'm going to be a giraffe. (laughs) His son was right the first time. Women, you were made to be a lioness. Men... You were made to be a lion. The Bible calls this the image of God. All right, I want to put up one. I want to put up verse 26, Malachi, my man. It's coming. There it is. Let us make man in our image after our own likeness. Do you see the two phrases there? Our, our image, our likeness. So far in the descriptions of everything that God's making... So far, in all the things he made, all the wonders of the world that he's created, he says it's according to its kind. So God creates sea creatures according to their kind. God creates air creatures according to their kind. And God creates land creatures according to their kind. But here, it's incredible because whatever he's doing, whatever he's creating right now, whatever this being is, he says, I'm doing it according to my kind, my image, my likeness. So here's the picture. You have God at the very beginning of the world. The world comes to be because a king speaks, let there be light. And there was. And then let there be the heavens visible including 
the galaxies. Man, I was listening to this. My kids sent me this guy that was on Joe Rogan. He was the first Christian to be on Joe Rogan. <laughs> and I don't know, I was like, and I realized, oh, I, I've heard of this guy. And he was saying that all the science and everything points to a universe moving away from us. And so everything that we keep discovering, like distances and distances, is because it keeps moving away. Something said, let there be light at this central place called Earth. It's absolutely amazing. And then all of a sudden it shifts. Not let there be and there was. He gets down to this thing that he's making right now, this creature that he's making right now, and it's not let there be. Let us make. Because who he's talking to is he's in the heavenly throne room of the heavenly kingdom with these outrageous, incredible, angelic beings, and he says and announces to them all, I'm going to make something Let them be like me, God says. So for fun, you know, I love reading for fun. So one of the things I love to do is like at night when I'm in bed, I'll have a Kindle or iPad, really, and I use the Kindle app. It's dark, and I read. <laughs> it's the best. So i like, who do I read last night? Who do I read tonight? I'm going to read someone really fun. Someone really light. Someone who's not a deep thinker at all. Because I don't want my mind thinking before I have to go to bed and then get up and preach. So I'm going to read Gerhardus Voss, the infamous, famous Dutch theologian. And I get to this page where he says this. He says, God is the eternal reality. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's good stuff. And then he says, there's something in God that man is in the image of. That's what the image of God is. And then he says, and it's imprinted on you. God is the eternal reality, and he imprints on you something of himself, his image. And there's no other being that's made like this. So what is man, men and women? Who are you? Have you ever wondered? Who are you? There's tons of mysteries here, but one thing is clear. God says, you are like me. God's not done. Let's continue with verse 26. And, so this is right after he says, let us make and. So God says, I'm not done. I'm still going. I'm going to give you a little more detail about what this image means and what this image bearer is and who he is and who she is and what they do. Here it is. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock of the earth, over every creeping thing that's on earth. In other words, he says, let them be lions. Let them reign. Let them rule. Let them be like me. Gerhardus Voss again. I couldn't believe all this was in this 
thing I was reading last night. He says, the right hand of God, you know when you see that figure of speech at God's right hand, right? So God at his right hand. So whoever sits at his right hand, this is what happens. Now, you need to know that you and I, Adam and Eve, were meant to sit at the right hand of God. So when Jesus rose and ascended, where did he go? To the right hand of God. What is the right hand of God? He says, oh, it's the seat of power, divine power. And God has willed that for man it would be the instrument of the most natural and noble exercise of power. Noble power, loving Power that does things. Power that gets things done. Power that goes into the created realm and has the power to love it to life. The power to bless it. The power to work it. What is man, men and women? Who are you? God says you're like me. God continues, verse 27. Let's go to 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created him. Do you see that? So the image of God is male and female. The image of God is not male and male. The image of God is not female and female. The image of God is not transgender, binary, pangender, gender fluid, third gender, gender neutral. The image of God is male gender, female gender. Who are you? What is man, men and women? You're man and woman, and you're like me. So men and women are equal, of course, right? Of course. Both are the image of God. So women, you were not made to be prey or a giraffe. You were made to be a lioness. Men, you were not made to be prey or a giraffe. You were made to be a lion. So let's go to some applications, okay? So immediate application number one. Here's the first application for all of us. We can stop being stupid. That's a very good first application. There's no gender that's superior. There's no gender that's inferior. There's no gender that is ruling and controlling and has dominion over the other gender. So all stupidity leaves the room. That's the immediate application. Application number two, your identity is received, not achieved. In other words, we are given our identity. God gives you your identity, right? So who am I? Why do I matter? What does my life matter? Why am I here? What's the meaning of life? God says, you are like me. You are above everything that I've made. Everything that I've made. Look around you, he's saying. Even every day, right now, you can go outside and he says, look around, Jeff. Look at that star that you see. You are above that. You are like me. Okay, so you look around and you watch a documentary on Mount Everest. Look around. 
You are above Mount Everest. You are like me. Well, let's go to the sea and to the depths of whatever that gulch is. It's like the deepest part of the world that doubles Mount Everest. God says, you are above that. You are like me. Okay, well, what about the invisible realm? These unbelievable, celestial, magnificent beings, God says, you are above them. You are like me. Who am I? Who are you? You are the one God loves. Because to be made in the image of God and to be above everything else is what God is actually doing in this text, and he does it three times. He made you to be like him, and he made you to have the most intimate relationship any creature can have with him that's not actually inside the Trinity. Unbelievable. So he speaks you into being because he loves you, the text says, verse 26. And then the text says he blessed them. He speaks words of blessing into your soul because he loves you. And then when he's done with it, he says, I love this so much. I love you so much. It's so very good to me. Who are you? Answer, the one God loves. What's my identity? I don't get who I am. I struggle with who I am. Am I this? Am I that? I don't know. I'm so conflicted. My desires are all over the place. They're mangled. They're broken. They're twisted. Sometimes they feel good. Sometimes they don't. God says, you're the one. You're the one I love. That's who you are. I made you to love you. That's who you are. It's not done. Who am I? He also says you're above everything I made because now he, remember, he puts in that dominion factor. And so you rule over everything. So again, you start looking at all the, you look at the stars and he goes, you're above that. You rule that like me. And you're like, what? Let's look at Mount Everest. You're above that. You rule that like me. This is the way things were designed. I know it's so hard, right? We now run from spiders, but spiders used to run from us. Who am I? This is unbelievable. You're not only the one God loves, part one, who are you, the one God loves, but you're also, who are you, who am I? You're the one who loves back. And it's not this sentimental love. This is, this is a whole being actually made to love God back. And in doing so, you also are the one who is made to love creation back. And in doing that, you actually do something to creation. It is a power that has royal dignity and does things. It blesses things. So when you love people, you actually make them become themselves. When you do your work 
and you participate in school or in athletics or sports and your gifts, your talents, your abilities, those things have royal dignity and power in them to actually bless other people and to do things in blessing creation. It's amazing that we have that kind of dignity. Who are you? Answer the one God loves. Who are you? Answer the one who loves back with power. So when the bear saw Adam in the garden, it said, there's Adam, the image of God. The one God loves and the one who loves me back. When the angel saw Eve in the garden, the angel fell on its face and bowed before her and said, oh, let me serve you, the one God loves and the one who loves me back. Men and women, everyone knows men and women are equal, but are they different? This is where we lose our minds. This is where all the controversy takes place. This is where we don't seem to love back too well. First, I'm not going to put Humpty Dumpty back together again in the sermon. Sorry. Uh, I can't put all these pieces back together. I'm not even going to pretend to. But I'm going to kind of prime the pump for some of the pieces that will be a little more detail at Theology After Dark in about two months, so I get more time to work on this thing. So, a little big picture today on the differences. Second, the Bible assumes everyone knows men and women are equal but different in body. I mean, that's just assumed, it's given. Thank God that's the case. Different works of creation, man, woman, gender, different biology, different physical bodies. I mean, men cannot have babies, Right? This is not an equal thing. This is a different thing. But thank God men don't have babies. Oh, I've seen five of them. No. My wife is the warrior. I'm the wimp in this relationship. Guaranteed. Third, the Bible assumes everyone knows men and women are imaging the triune God. Do you know what that means? Which means there are differences. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are God, but they're different persons. So they're equal, but there's some differences in them. And because you're the image of God, there's going to be equal but different realities to men and women. The Bible assumes that. It assumes everyone knows that. The Bible actually assumes that you don't have to go to the Bible to get this, that it's actually just reality. Everyone can see it. Everyone knows it. If you don't, what you do is you hold down what's true. It's called suppressing the truth in Romans 1. It's like being in a pool and having all these beach balls in the pool. And what we do when we suppress the truth is we're trying to just hold down the truth. But there's too many beach balls and they bop us in the face eventually. That's what our culture is doing today. Desperately trying to suppress the truth. God the Father does not die on the cross. God the Son does. 
They're equal, but different. Another example that strikes closer to the home, the mission, the work, the role of God the Son is to submit to God the Father. Uh, Whatever, pick a different word, subject. Okay, dang, don't use that one. Um, Obey. Jeff! Sorry, I can't help it. These are all Bible words. Follow, trust. Jesus perfectly submitted, obeyed, trusted, imaged his Father. Perfectly. In his very being and in all his doings. In other words, he loved God back perfectly. And he loved creation to life perfectly. This is not an unequal thing. This is a different thing. So do you see that there can be differences in the works, the roles of men and women, not an equal thing, but a different thing? Because there's not a equal thing with the Trinity, but there is a different thing in the persons. And if we image the persons, it would make sense that he would pack some missions and some works and some roles in one gender and not in another. We already see it in the body. We already see it in men can't have babies. Well, I'm offended. I should. No. All right, so this is what's going on in verse 28 and 228. It says, God bless them. Do you see that? Let's put on, and God bless them. So it's plural. So God bless them both to be fruitful, multiply, and have dominion, right? This is, they're a team. He blessed them as a team to do this together. It's a team, all right? But now in 218, the team has some differences, The Lord God said it's not good that the man, gender man, should be alone. I will make him a helper, gender woman, fit for him. So we're going to spend a lot of time at Theology After Dark trying to parse that and figure that out and look at the whole Bible to figure out, well, what are the differences? And some people have made differences that aren't differences. And some people have taken differences and made them an unequal thing, which is all wrong. We lose our minds. But one thing is certain about the text so far. Having a different mission is not being unequal. Having a different mission is dignity and royalty and dominion because both genders have dominion. And both missions don't allow the other gender to rule the other one. So whatever, I said that jokingly, but it's very serious. These words like, Submit and obey and follow. Those words do not mean unequal. Whatever they mean. And I'm not going to pretend to know what they mean right now. They just mean it's different. Because both genders, do you see that word? Let's 218. This is for free. You see that word helper? Helper fit for him. So she is going to help him. If anything, the man is the weaker one or has the weaker mission. Why? Because they're both equal. Because that word helper is the same word used throughout the Old Testament 
for God helping, rescuing, fighting, being the warrior for Israel. So in one sense, if we really want to push this, I will make gender man a warrior for him. Okay, so let's wrap this up with some two last immediate applications. The world we're looking at in Genesis 1 and 2 is not our world. So our world is Genesis 3 on, which means our world is mangled by sin, which means sin has mangled the image of God, sin has mangled men, sin has mangled women, sin has mangled you. Before the Spartans went into battle, they took a twig, they would wrap it around their wrist, and they would break off the end of the twig, and then they would all file past this basket and drop it in the basket. At the end of the battle, they would wall, file past the basket, reach into the twig, find their twig, and re... It's the first dog tag. It's the beginning of the dog tag in war. And reattach it to themselves. The leftovers were all the dead. Uh, there's a local man from Crawford. His name is Nate Self. Um, he's an army ranger, fought on Roberts Ridge in Afghanistan. Amazing. You should read the book. Uh, he wins the Silver Star, Bronze Star, Purple Heart... Knox and I, my uh, second oldest son, uh, we met him. And it's amazing. He is the coolest dude, obviously. And he writes Knox this amazing note that we have to this day. It's amazing. But in his book called Two Wars, he writes this. When I returned home to reclaim the other half of my twig, the one on my wrist had been mangled by war. It just didn't fit. Nothing seems to fit. Sin has mangled the image of God. Nothing fits anymore. This is why we're stupid about men and women not being equal. And this is why we're confused about men and women being different. Our identities are so mangled. We can't intellectually understand it and certainly can't in our heart want it. So sin has mangled the image of God, and this is why we look, this is why you and I were so mangled that we now, instead of finding our identity in the one God loves and the one who loves God back and loves creation back, what an identity! Instead, we look to creation to give it to us. Oh, you know, it's that bird. Are you my mother? Remember that book? Are you my mother? We go up, are you my mother? Are you who I am? Are you who I am? And we go all over creation going, are you my mother? Are you who I am? That's what we do. And we do, think, we do that with money. Are you, oh, are you my security? Are you who I am? Are you my dignity? We do that with human approval. So then we look at each other. We look at image bearers and say, oh, your attention, your love, your acceptance you define me. You're my identity. And then we look at ourselves and we say, oh, my performance and my success, my abilities, my importance, my greatness, my righteousness, my goodness, my avoidance of sin, my being a good Christian. Am I a good mother? These things now become our identity. I mean, I did it just the other day. I'm at Walmart for crying out loud. I'm picking up groceries. i I know all the dudes and gals now that work at that place. And they're coming out, and I started noticing that there's a whole line of them, but they come out, and nobody helps them. And I'm thought, 
What a bunch of losers, I'm saying to everybody. You're a loser. You don't even get out of your car to help them put it in the... Do you see what I'm doing? I'm so freaking righteous. Unlike you poor losers. I get out of the car and I help these people. Because I'm so dang good. Whatever we try to find our identity in, it's so powerful. And we need it so much that we deify it. We make it God. It becomes our salvation. If human approval is my identity, criticism is my hell. And being liked is my salvation. So here's what happens. Jesus became the perfect image of God for you. He loved God back perfectly for you, and he loved creation back perfectly for you. And he so imaged God and loved God back that he even went to the cross to obey God to deal with all the false identities that we've put ourselves under and in and that we're enslaved by to set you free. And that's why Colossians says he's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of the new creation. He's the only one that did it. Adam didn't do it. Eve didn't do it. Israel didn't do it. You and I don't do it. But he did it. And so you know what he does now? He files past after his battle, after his war, after he wins. And he goes into that bag and he finds you. Mangled, jagged, broken twig. And attaches it to himself. And you fit perfectly. You're no longer prey. You're a lion. Pray for us.